0: The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcralee.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. All right, church, let's take our Bibles this morning, if we would, and turn to Matthew chapter number 11. This is the um, third Sunday of Advent, So, the first Sunday of Advent, we talked about watching, that we are to look to the second coming of our Lord. One day He will return. And so, we celebrate uh, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ by remembering that one day the babe who is in the manger shall come again as the victorious King of all the world. And then last week, we spoke from Matthew chapter number three on the second Sunday of Advent. And by the way, that word just simply means the coming of the Lord. And so uh, we spoke about repenting, turning from ourselves and turning from what we trust in to putting our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And on this third Sunday of Advent, I want you to follow along in the bulletin as we talk about uh, seeing the Lord Jesus and looking to Him. Very short passage of Scripture, chapter number 11 of Matthew, and verse one through six really focusing on verse 2 through 6. So would you follow along reading silently as I read the Word of the Lord for us out loud. When Jesus had finished giving instruction to His twelve disciples, He departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John, while in prison, heard of the works of Christ, He sent word by His disciples and said to Him, Are you the expected one? Or shall we look for someone else? And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me." And uh, I want to pray for us this morning, but before I open us in a word of prayer, I want to ask you to do me a favor. Everyone that's uh, in this room with me uh, this morning, would you you take action today in faith on what it is that you hear from God's Word with the help of the Holy Spirit? Often we come to church and it becomes a part of our religious duty, just what we do, especially this time of year. what we've always done, and especially around Christmas we just come to church. But I'm going to ask you as I pray, would you pray in your own heart and just talk to God and say, okay, whatever I hear from God's Word today, as long as it is being preached correctly, rightly, and applied to life appropriately, I'm going to actually leave here today and make a declaration in my heart that with the help of God, I'm going to leave here and do what I hear. Would you make that decision with me today in your heart? All right. Then you pray along with me. Father, I pray for us today. I pray that you would uh, encourage all of the people. I pray for those who uh, don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and maybe they are visiting here today, or friends or family of someone else, and they're in this service today, Father, I pray that You would touch their heart even now as we move into this time of the Word through all the music, the friendship, the fellowship, and now through Your Word that You would convict their heart of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, and that they would turn to Jesus Christ by faith today. I pray for my brothers and sisters that are in this room that know the Lord Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and yet they are struggling and hurting and weak and wounded I pray that You would help them and fill them and empower them. Lord, I pray today that You would be honored and glorified as Your people choose to take action in faith with the help of Your Spirit upon the very Word of the living God. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This text of Scripture is so appropriate for... This time of year and even uh, this week, last Sunday afternoon, a lot of times on Sundays I finish preaching, and after we dismiss everybody, I talk for a little bit, and often I find myself, Connie and I do, at El Rodeo. And if you don't know about El Rodeo, you're missing the best Mexican food in the city. Amen? All right, we got two or three that go there. I know the sound booth says amen. Most Sunday afternoons I come back to the church and uh, then I just uh, begin to do all over again. I, I look at the net text for the next week and begin to pray and meditate and think about that text. And this last Sunday afternoon I, I noticed that the text was Matthew chapter number 11. And I could not help but just think how appropriate it is. Uh, for this time of year, this this day and as we move toward Christmas, holds so much joy and fun and peace and goodness. And this is a great time of year for all of us as it should be of, of joy and goodness. And yet, I am aware that there are many people under the sound of my voice right here in this room that have had a tough week. And it was it was difficult in my heart just to play this out all week long. I studied the text on Sunday every day, but the rest of the week, just the phone calls and the uh, conversations that I had of people who were hurting deeply. And then just to think and pray through this text reminds me of how much we need to think this year about the grace and the help that comes from a text like this. If you'll recall, last week we studied Matthew chapter number three and it was about John the Baptist too, but do you remember what we talked about? John the Baptist comes up out of the wilderness rough and ready, baby. I mean, he's got that camel hair suit on, leather belt on. He eats locust and wild honey. I don't know who does that. He comes out of the wilderness shouting. The text says shouting. And He's proclaiming that you must repent and believe on Jesus and enter into the kingdom of God. He tells all of the people, and most specifically the religious people, He says, listen, unless you believe in the Messiah, the axe is laid at the root of your life and the Messiah has His winnowing fork in His hand. And one day, all of those who do not believe in justice and Jesus Christ, He will sweep away into destruction. Destruction. This is the same John the Baptist who in John chapter number 1 comes and he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This is the same John the Baptist who had so much faith and so much confidence in Jesus that before John was even born, when he was in his mother Elizabeth's womb, Mary comes into the same town and wouldn't you know it, John the Baptist does a holy jig in the womb at the presence of Jesus. What kind of faith what kind of confidence, what kind of power of a man who stands up and says, Jesus is the promised Messiah, believe on him or else? All oh, but this week is different, isn't it? Time and circumstances have affected the life of our character in the text. Isn't that right? And time and circumstances have touched each of our lives. How many people in this room started out in our belief in the Lord Jesus and we got saved and we were walking on cloud nine and God delivered us from all of our sin and all of our baggage and all of our guilt and all of our shame and we rejoice in Jesus and we are happy to be saved but time and circumstances and heartache and pain and trials come our way and now we find ourselves in this text today. What does it say of John the Baptist? Now John, while in Where? Prison. Everything is turned upside down in John the Baptist's world. He believed that Jesus was the Messiah, and he believed that Jesus was coming to establish this physical kingdom whereby He would rule and reign with Jesus, and He is the greatest cheerleader for Jesus. But what happens in this text? Instead of ruling and reigning with Jesus, He is away secluded in a prison cell. And I would imagine that some of the people in this room would cry out alongside of me in your heart that uh, life has not always gone the way that you thought it would go. Some things have not turned out the way you wish they would have turned out. Can I just take a holy time out for a second and explain to some of you who have had a lot of things go your way in life For all of uh, the rest of us in here who haven't had everything go our way, we don't need your platitudes. We don't need you to pat us on the back and tell us it'll make you bitter or make you better, brother. It'll all work out in the end. Why don't you tell that to a man who's in prison and will have his head chopped off for preaching about Jesus? You know what we need? We need your love and your support and your grace. And we need you to believe the Word of the living God. We need you to be there to support us. Not everything works out the way that we wish it would sometimes. Isn't that the truth, folks? Sometimes there are broken dreams. Sometimes there are unfulfilled expectations. And that's where John finds himself. And in fact, not everything will turn out well in his life. He will die in prison for believing what he believes. I normally don't do this, but I want to take us to one other passage of Scripture that I think will drive home the point and then we'll find encouragement at this time. Would you take your Bible and turn over to the book of Hebrews? Just keep turning to the right. Hebrews chapter number 11. Just keep turning to the right from where you are. Hebrews chapter number 11. Many uh, many believers call this the hall of faith. And for those of you that aren't Christians, that's kind of our cheesy language, okay? (laughs) The hall of faith. Everybody in this chapter has faith in God. And it's wonderful about what God does, but I want to read to you a specific portion of Hebrews chapter 11 that doesn't get preached about much and doesn't even get talked about much, but I hope that you will find maybe some comfort in the company of misery, okay? I want you to know today that wherever you are in life, if things have not worked out exactly like you want them, you're not alone. Hebrews chapter number 11. Pick up reading in verse number 32 with me. It all looks good for a moment. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms and performed acts of righteousness and obtained promises and shut the mouth of lions and quenched the power of fire and escaped the edge of the sword from weakness were made strong became mighty in war and put foreign armies to flight women received back their dead by resurrection and others were tortured Ooh, not accepting the release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mocking and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins in goatskins being destitute and afflicted and ill-treated men or people of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all of these turned out great and life turned around and it all got really good for them. Then they had a great bank account and a super family and a wonderful job and life was super. Let's go back to Matthew. And all of these having gained approval through their faith did not receive what was promised. Because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us they would not be made perfect. Not... Everything ends well. I want you to know that in the text, verse number two, look here back in Matthew chapter number 11. Now when John, while in prison, heard of the works of Christ, you'll notice that the author here, Matthew, has supplied Christ in this verse, for it is John himself who is concerned as whether Jesus is the Christ. He sent word to His disciples in verse number 3, and He said to him, Are you the expected one, or shall we look for another? I was reading all of the commentaries this week, and I noticed that there are so many scholars, even back in time past, like Chrysostom and Augustine, these ones, they're pleading and doing everything. They're doing hermeneutical gymnastics with the text to make it say anything but what it actually says. Do you know what they say? Some of them will say, well, John has no doubt in his mind, but he sends his disciples because his disciples have doubt. Really? No. The plain meaning of the text is John sends the disciples because John has doubts. But I want you to understand that just because he is no theological hero, it also does not mean that he is a castaway in faith, that he has no faith at all. It is not that he is a superhero or a castaway. It is this, that John the Baptist is completely human, and so are you. And if you're in this room today, and you're struggling with where you are in life and what's going on, welcome to the human race. And it's okay not to have everything signed, sealed, and delivered in your mind right now. It's okay to have some doubts and some fears and some phone calls. I want you to know that God cares for you. And where you are right now at this season, this Christmas time, Jesus comes along the way and He gives answers to people with broken hearts. This week, as I've been having this text to me, are you the one... Or should we look for another? Are you the Messiah? Are you the expected one? It seemed like all week, things were happening in my life and having these discussions. I was on the phone with a dear sister in our church who was crying her eyes out over a family member who is way far away from God. And I'm praying with her over the phone and I'm pleading and in my mind I'm saying, God, please do something. This lady needs to know that you're real. Every week I'm preaching that you're real and your Word is true. They need you. Help them. Please. Please do something. What about this? This is the home of a lady this week who has, in time, laid her husband to rest, laid her baby child to rest, and laid an adult daughter to rest. It's okay for people that are struggling and hurting. To say, hey, I I once was ready to go, but I'm nervous and I'm fearful and I need some help. And Jesus comes along and in this season, from this text, He gives us a little bit of help. Would you look down at verse number 4? Let me show you what Jesus says here to us. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John. What you have seen. I would say that the phrase that begins verse number four can sometimes slip away from us, but don't move past the words. Meditate and think about it. Jesus answered. It reminds us that God, our God, the God of the scripture is not some sort of Greek God that stands aloof in a foreign world from the people of this world and just echoes at our suffering. The God of the Bible is not the pagan God made out of stone and wood and structures that have ears but they cannot hear, that have eyes but they cannot see, that have mouths but they cannot speak. No, our God speaks to us. Our God answers us. Our God gives us His Word and He promises and He always fulfills His word. He is alive and he is well and he does speak to us even in our frustrations and our pain. I want you to understand that what Jesus says here, look at verse number 4 again. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you have seen. And then look at verse number 5. You see how it's uh, all caps at the beginning and at the end of verse number 5. The blind receive sight. And then look at the end of the verse. Uh, The gospel or the poor have the gospel preached to them. The reason why those are in all caps in your Bible is it's telling you that that is a quotation directly out of the Old Testament. And do you want to know what the comfort is that Jesus gives to John? He's going to get to the works that Jesus is doing. But Jesus begins not by giving John a new word, but by giving John the affirmation of the old word of the Old Testament. And the confidence and the security and the grace that Jesus gives to us today is that in the middle of our heartache and in the middle of our pain, and in this season, we understand that the word of the living God stands sure. And firm. Jesus could have answered John a thousand ways. Jesus could have said, I am the consummation of the kingdom. I am the breaking forth of something new into the world. And all of that would have been right. But what does Jesus do? He knows that John is sitting in prison. And he has memorized large portions of the Old Testament. And he goes back and he says, Hey buddy, you tell him what he's been reading. In God's holy word, it stands firm today and always. Forgive me, I need help. Better back that down a level. Feelings and emotions and good times come and go. But I am not building my life, nor should you build your life on emotions. You should build your life on the promises of God's holy and infallible and inerrant Word. It is good in the good times, and it is good in the bad times. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? God's Word stands firm. You see, the Word of God is fulfilled in the birth of Christ in the life and death and resurrection of Christ. And if we can trust the Scripture to tell us that Jesus was born of a virgin and all of the Old Testament prophecies are fulfilled in Christ and we know that He's the fulfillment of the Word, if it's true of Him, then it's true for every heartache and every problem, what the Scriptures teaches and how it influences our life. And I say to us today, all that we must do is absorb the Word of God into our lives and live out the Word of God and what it says, and it will help us us in every heartache and in every problem. And here's where I come back to where I began today. Are you willing today to act in faith on the Word of God with the help of the Spirit? Say, Steve, what could that look like? Maybe we should just begin by saying, do you read God's Word? I didn't ask you if you listened to David Jeremiah on the way into work. I love him. He's a good man. must be a smart man. He's got a study Bible named after him. It'd be good for your soul to listen to him. I didn't ask you if you even listened to Steve Tillis. I'm asking you, do you spend time reading the Word of God daily? Do you take what it says and apply it to your life with the help of the Holy Spirit of God. Does your spouse, do your friends, do your children, do your parents, do the people in your life know that you are a person dominated and focused upon God's Word? Start there. Jesus gives a second word of encouragement to John the Baptist who is in prison. Not only does he say that the Word of God stands firm, he says this, the birth of Christ reminds us that God's kingdom work goes on. Look again there in verse number 5. He says, you go back and tell them what you hear and see. The lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the Gospel preached to them. Jesus answers by saying, tell them what you see. He extends this power even in this age to the church. Can I say to you today that if you have a negative personality, turn the news channels off. Open up God's Word and open up your eyes and ask Him to see His kingdom at work in the world and you will find that hospitals are built in the name of Christ and in the name of Christ uh, 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 help comes to the destitute and the poor have the Gospel preached to them and those who are addicted have Jesus to help them along the way. That Christ is marching forward and his kingdom work goes on. Amen. Oh. But you see, John could not see the kingdom work of Jesus from his prison cell. And if you're anything like me, maybe you would say, right now where I am in the prison of my loneliness, in the prison of my waiting in the prison of my hurting heart, I can't see Jesus working. I want you to know that His kingdom work does go on. And all of this work is happening while John is in prison and while we are in our prison. We surely could say this today, that God does not need us to fulfill His kingdom work. Amen? That's a lesson that could be learned. God does not need us to fulfill all of His kingdom work. But I don't think necessarily that that's the direct lesson from the text. I I think what's going on here is for us to remember, not only does God not need us, or maybe you might say that God can use other people and we can rejoice in that, but the goodness of the kingdom work of God marching on is this. That when we know the Word of God to be true, and we love God's kingdom work, and we hear that it is going on, that Jesus is enough to stop looking for everything else. Some of you in here have had major problems in your life and you're looking for a solution or an answer. You're looking for the answer for the question why and you're hurting your heart and you're running your life into the ground because I'm telling you, there is not always an answer to the question why. But if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and stand on the Word of God and on His work, you need to look no further. The answer is, He is the promised one. He is the expected one. Trust Him. Follow Him. Live for Him. And you will find that He will meet all of the inward needs of your heart and soul. He will quench the thirst. He will take care of the hunger. He will answer you. Come to Jesus. Believe on Him. Let me give you this last point and we'll finish for today. The birth of Christ reminds us to remain faithful to Jesus. Look at verse number 6 again. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Jesus here is pulling from His Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter number 5. The word blessed here, some people translate as happy, but the, um, the word here means more than that. It means fully flourishing. It means a fully flourishing life, like when a flower blooms. And Jesus is saying to John, you go back and you tell John to stand firm on the Word of God and that the work of Jesus Christ is extending around the world. Whether you can see it or not, God is in control. Trust Him and stay faithful to Me. And your flower will bloom again. Even in a prison cell. Even in the harshest winter. God will bring joy. God will bring peace in the worst conditions. Remain faithful. Don't leave Jesus. Don't walk away from Him. Trust Him. Live for Him every day of your life. I was reading this week about a guy, Frederick Lehman and uh, lived out in Pasadena, California. He was uh, many years ago. He was a Christian businessman and uh, making a lot of money. Business going great. Frederick Lehman. And he lost everything. And uh, you know what I liked about the story? I liked the fact that for once, it doesn't have a fairytale ending. The man lost everything and worked in a packing house for oranges the rest of his life. And you know what He wrote, He wrote the song The Love of God is rich and pure and greater far than all of our sin and all of our shame. He learned how to love God and he learned that Christ was the promised one, even in the most difficult times. He was writing that song, The Love of God, and he needed the last verse, and he had been looking through all these poems, and about 200 years prior to uh, Frederick Lehman's uh, writing of this song, he found a poem that had been preserved, and it was written on the wall of an asylum in Germany. And wouldn't you know it was a coincidence that the poem matched up to the tune of the song, The Love of God, Perfectly. Shall I read that poem to you? Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies a parchment made, where every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. This year when you open up Christmas gifts and spend time with family and eat together and enjoy all of that, rejoice in the joy of the birth of Christ. And when you pillow your head at night and there are frustrations and chaos and unfulfilled expectations and sorrow in the heart, trust Christ and remain faithful to Him. Amen? no matter where you are, up or down, the answer is to stand firm on the Word of God, to trust in the work of Christ, and to be faithful to Him all of your days. Now let me ask you this. Those of you that were here when I started, and you, in your mind you said, yeah, I'll, I'll act. I'm not just here today to play, but I'll, I'll really, I want to take action on what I believe the Bible is teaching. How could you act today? If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I don't care how old you are or what kind of background or what kind of church life you have, if you don't have an ongoing, interactive relationship with Jesus where you say, yes, I've trusted Him, I've given my whole heart to Christ, He can have everything, I want Jesus to be my Savior. If you've never done that, to act in faith is in a moment when we pray together, right where you are, talk to God just talk to Him. You talk in your mind. You can talk out loud. There's no believer here that will laugh at you and nobody in here that's going to bother you. Right where you are, talk to God in your language, in your way, and say, I don't know everything, but I know that my heart is not right, and I need you. I need help. I need you. You talk to God like that and He'll save you. What else? What else? Maybe there's a believer in here today and you say, you know what? I've been coming to this church for 50 years, 30 years, 10 years, 5 years, and there was a time when I was red hot but for Jesus, but those, those times have kind of gone and I'm not standing on the Word of God. I'm not reading it and loving it, doing it and living it. I think right now you could act today by praying and talking to God in a moment and say, you know what? I'm going to pick my Bible up and I'm going to pray every day and I'm going to read Your Word and I'm going to learn it and I'm going to do it with the help of God. And there's somebody in here today, and the greatest encouragement you need is to hear the voice of Jesus say to you, don't stumble over me. Be faithful to me. And your rose garden will bloom again. I'll take the deepest parts of your life, and I'll make you shine to the glory of God. I'll help you. Don't leave me. Act in faith and believe. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at com.